Hello. Hello. And welcome to Pop Tarts. I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watts. We're both editors at Bust Magazine here in Brooklyn, New York. Industry City. Industry City in the Hizal. And we are pop culture junkies. We love talking to each other about pop culture. We love talking to you about pop culture. And on today's episode, we are going to get into Unbreakable. It's a miracle. Emails are strong as hell. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Whole first half, breaking it down. And then, in the second half, we will return to our recurring segment, What You Watching? How do you wear a thong with no legs? Kofifi. Kofifi, kofifi, kofifi is my favorite word today. It's a whole penis journey. Stay out of the White House bedroom. All right. First of all, A, females are strong as hell. Callie. How far are you into Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt season three on Netflix? I watched it all, but there were some breaks in there when I had, I had a bunch of people over, so yeah. so I missed a little bit here and there. And it's so fast. There's so it's many so fast. There's and so furious. many jokes if you don't pay. So I'm gonna rewatch some of the middle ones uh-huh. to try to catch those little nuggets. Uh huh. Because there's the it's constant nuggets. constant jokes. Yes, I tried to like write down some of my favorites, and it just kept writing and writing and writing, and then missing and writing. But I will say that I was enchanted by the cameos this season. Oh yeah, there were some killer. Laura ones. Dern shows up. Laura Dern is in everything. Have you noticed this? Yeah, she's in I the was new Twin Peaks. About she's that. in Kimmy. I feel like every time I turn around, Laura Dern is there being awesome. She's living obviously her best life. Big right Little now. Lies. Yeah, Laura Dern is living her best life. Because females are strong, strong as hell. hell. <laughs> so Laura Dern's in it. Judah Friedlander from 30 Rock yeah. showed up as one of my favorite cameos. I just loved his episode. He shows up in this season as a crackpot named Gordy who hires Titus to sing Conspiracy Theories song. Oh, my God. And Those songs were so crazy. <laughs> You're the worst and the best and the worst and the total best. Rachel Dratch shows up twice in the same episode as different people. Somebody suggested she could play me in the bus movie. I would buy that. That would be fantastic. We ask every intern um, when they leave bust who would play them in the movie of bust. That's a lot of characters. But I used to be R. Kelly, but now that's just he's ruined himself for me. So Dratch, Dratch would be a great one. It's either Dratch or... Uh, I would think uh, not Amy Poehler, but Amy Sedaris. Dratch or Sedaris would be stellar choices to play you in the movie. Of or Boston. maybe they'll be like the Olsen twins and they can just switch off. Okay. <laughs> I have always said that um, Ricky Lake would play me in the movie of Bust, but um, Ricky Lake and I are both getting older now. So if we would have to go to my beginnings at Bust, I would say maybe Gabourey Sidibe could play me. Ooh. She's, she's got the... I don't know the judge that I would always want. That would be amazing. <laughs> this cast. This, this cast. <laughs> but uh, David Diggs, who is bust editor-in-chief Debbie Stoller's heartthrob, David Diggs, oh, was in multiple episodes. I wouldn't call him a cameo, but I will say that I feel like he was a bit underutilized. I was about to say I found his character to be very meh. I mean, he was fine. I mean, he is hot. Yeah, but the, like I was happy to look into his eyes, and every I got time. where they were going with it. But I, yeah, I felt like there could have been, uh, yeah, I was a little underwhelmed. Yeah, but I did like when they did that dance move. Yes, I do like <laughs> their dance moves. And Amy Sedaris, thank goodness, is back as Mimi. So everybody who plays you is in this. Yeah, is in this this season. Um, David Cross is back as as uh, Jacqueline's husband. Russ Snyder and I will say that I took affront to the fact that there was a running joke about how hideously ugly David Cross is throughout the whole season and I am a little crushed out on David Cross yeah I do not find him to be a hideous monster I think that he is cute and I took umbrage I say to the fact that there was a running joke that David Cross was not cute I don't know if it's that I get horse blinders for funny people. <laughs> That's so all you can see. Maybe I can't even see. Like if David that Cross he is unattractive was like because a men's he's so rights hilarious. activist, 
Maybe I would think he was ugly, but to me right now, he's very attractive. Oh, and Debbie brought up a good point. She was like, I wonder what Amber Tamlin thinks. Because Amber Tamlin is married to David Cross. They Uh just had a kid. Congratulations. Yes. But um, she was like, I wonder what she thinks about her husband being portrayed as this, like, ugly creature on this show. It's it's his regular face. They're not even, like, putting prosthetics or anything to make him, like, unseemly. He just looks like... It's just his face. That's so rude. So rude. And then, of course... Maya Rudolph shows up as Dionne Warwick. Oh, my God. Maya Rudolph's impressions are so funny because she doesn't actually, she's not, like, rich little. She doesn't do, like, spot-on impressions, but, like, her interpretation of someone is always so funny that it doesn't matter if it's, like, a straight forward impression or not. I loved seeing Maya Rudolph as Dionne Warwick. It was an unrelenting delight. That was, like, a gift from God. (laughs) <laughs> it was, it so, was so hilarious. And Camilo, my, you know, my husband, he's from Chile, so he didn't know who Dionne Warwick was, so we had to take a time out. I had to take him back through the time of the importance of Dionne Warwick. Keep smiling, keep, keep shining, shining. knowing you can always count on me. <laughs> For sure. I love that you know all the words. <laughs> yeah, so he didn't know what that what the reference was. He just thought it was funny, and then I was like, let me show you something. <laughs> and then I was like, also, she's really into psychics. And then he was like, oh. She has so many psychic friends. Yeah. So, yeah, she did. Wasn't she psychic friends? She was Network? like, talk to my psychic friends for only a dollar a minute. Yeah. I, I was like trying to remember the importance of the psychics to her to, to explain it to him. And I was like, she just loves psychics. What more can I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, Hooray for Tina Fey coming back as Kimmy's drunk therapist. I love that character so much. All my only complaint is that she wasn't in there more. Yes, solid. There was so much feminist jokes through this one. Yes, they really went in, and I appreciate that it was like talking about feminism, but also mocking feminism in a way that I appreciated. Yeah, that, <laughs> in a way that only jokes that only feminists can tell about feminists, like, because we do it with love. That seventh, the, the seventh wave feminist. <laughs> and, and how like hard it is to start a cult as a woman because of sexism. Yeah, that was really good. And also the I'm taking power gender marginalization in contemporary yogurt commercials. <laughs> Yeah, that was a class Zan was taking at Columbia University. That, that was, was so good. Yeah, I would take that class legit. And also, whenever I see John Hamm was in and out as the reverend from mm-hmm. jail, and every time I see him, it cracks me up so much. Do you remember Ellie Kemper, who plays Kimmy Schmidt, was on the cover of Bust right before the first season came out in 2015? Yep. And she talked about how when she was in ninth grade, John Hamm was her theater teacher. Do you remember that in St. Louis? In the article? No. But yeah, that was he was her ago. high school theater teacher. That is crazy. So it's so funny to me to watch them like going, Full circle. going so hard at each other with hatred in this episode because they they go way back, those two. Can we talk about the the most amazing episode? Lemonading. Yes, when Titus goes <laughs> lemonade, he goes full lemonade. Something don't taste right, cause it ain't right. Like when you take a sip of water and it turns out to be Sprite. I know your secret, and now I regret. Ever help you out your closet? Is this what I deserve? I took you out your word. You know I'm not too feminine to cut me up a nerd. What's worse, being heartbroke or roach bit? Heartbroke or roach bit? <laughs> oh my gosh everything about that titus is by far my favorite character they i'm sure that they got the memo that like anytime titus sings an original song people go buck wild so they they definitely gave him the time to shine in this season that was it was plus it's really hard to make fun of lemonade because it is important cultural artifact right so if you're gonna parody it you have to be like careful and funny and good. Yeah. And he did all that stuff. Do you remember? There was like the spoken word intro to Sorry. And he was like. What will you say at my funeral now that you've killed me? Here lies Titus, stepmother to my lizards, both living and dead. His heaven will be a grand piano full of baked potatoes. Ashes to ashes. Dust to I don't care. I don't care. Why should I care? Quit up now. Kimberly, use your key. I'm lemonading. 
The lemonading was amazing. The dress I love he was lemonading wearing. as a verb. Yes. It will henceforth always be a verb. I'm trying. I'm sure I've lemonated at some point. More of in the tightest way of lemonade than in the the Beyonce way of lemonade. Um, and I love that Kimmy, that there, there's like this joke how Kimmy doesn't understand how uh, gay men have sex and she thinks they put their Touch butts butts. <laughs> Touch butts. Touching butts. Yeah. That would crack me up every time. I think it was like two or three times that they dropped it in there. He also sang about boobs in California being the greatest boobs around. And that was the song that was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Titus had a, a, a beautiful musical moment about how the boobs in California are the greatest boobs around. And obviously that would insult him on so many levels because he's ride or die for New York and doesn't like boobs. And did you notice the crossover with the Orange is the New Black? Yes, there was crossover with Orange is the I New loved Black. that. That was really good. Um, and then what there was, oh, <laughs> I wrote this one joke down that Titus says, kids are scary because their teeth are pushed out of their heads by other teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that was from my favorite, actually, no, I have to say lemonading was the best, but I feel like I laughed the most at the episode where he hated this baby because her name was Linda. <laughs> yes. And that makes me laugh so much because I love it when tiny babies and little puppies and kittens have old, old people names, especially old Jewish people names. For example, I have a kitten named Irving and we call him Irv. And we're like, hey, Irv, what's What's up? up? And calling a tiny little kitten Irv is so funny. It brings me joy every day. And so, like, I love the fact that that tiny little baby was called Linda. But if we ever have a kid, Camilla wants to name it Osvaldo. <laughs> so like anytime my period's late, it's Osvaldo. <laughs> it's always... That sounds both delightful and terrifying. Yeah, but he thinks it's gonna make him live old. You know, like you give somebody an old name, they gotta make it there. I mean, it's better than giving a baby a like a super baby name that they have to carry around forever. Yeah, like Passing Clouds or Passing Clouds is is not a baby name or an adult name. That's just like an LSD name. Oh, you know there's going to be a Passing Clouds. Some celebrity (laughs) is going to have a baby named Passing Clouds. Passing Clouds Watts. That's where I'm going to start calling farts now. (laughs) Or when your vagina is haunted. (laughs) It's Passing passing Clouds. The ghost of those who've come before. I loved that there was a baby named Linda and that Which Titus was Linda's that crazy of a name. Furious that's that someone he knew named their baby Linda. And then he had to get a quorum of Lindas who work in HR to talk about whether they were referred to as Linda as children. And the not. one was like, I changed my name to Linda <laughs> so I could get more <laughs> HR jobs. <laughs> but there's a lot of grown up people with grown up names in the world. What were they called when they weren't? Grown up, they didn't have those grown up names. They probably went by something short, you know, like. Well, you're a Jacqueline. Yeah, and I go by Callie, which is my middle name, so that makes more a little more sense. But you mm-hmm. know, they probably went by a little name or like their middle name, or maybe like, you know, like I had an aunt named Robert. Okay. And I'm sure she just went by Bobby, but I think she just went by Robert because I've only known her as an old lady Robert. Nice, <laughs> nice. I loved the fact that uh, Titus, for a brief moment in time in this season, had a peacock named Deborah Winger. Oh, my God. The peacock scene. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. And I also really love that uh, Lillian was fighting against gentrification by protesting a Whole Foods type market called Big Naturals. Yeah. Every time they said Big Naturals, I laughed. (laughs) Calling, I feel like I'm going to call Whole Foods Big Naturals from now on. Yes. Instead of Whole Paycheck, because that joke is old. Whole Paycheck, I like <laughs> that, Big though. Naturals is round and ripe. Oh, man. Yeah, there was some some really good ones. This was, this was a good, tight season. I don't know if you feel this way, because you and I are both from Virginia, and our local football team is the Washington Redskins. Yeah. I, my family is in the D.C. metro area. And I have relatives who shall remain nameless, but I am related to people who wear Washington Redskins jerseys and dress their infant in Washington Redskins attire. And it's super racist and I hate it. And I've always hated it and I will never not hate it. 
So the fact that this was like a running theme about how racist it is to call your football team the Washington Redskins, and this was a theme that ran throughout the season, gave me joy. Why don't they just all agree to change the damn name? I just don't even understand the logic of not changing it. But I don't follow football. It's a stupid, messed up thing to call a team. And I understand that these are more enlightened times. But as the times become more enlightened, don't be afraid to to put your racism away and do something better. Yeah. But I loved her concept of, like, people will burn these, so why don't you get something more offensive? (laughs) And so then more people will burn the things and you'll sell more jerseys. Did you see that... um... That when she was talking to the Peter Stuyvesant statue, which is around the corner from my home, oh. BT dubs, that she was like, I'm one of those blonde Native Americans, like Heather Locklear. Google it. And I did. And she's Native American? Her father is part Native American. Oh. Why so, did they have Heather Locklear play that role? <laughs> play Jacqueline, so then it would quell some of the uh, anger. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings us to the hashtag problematic aspects of the show that people have been uh, up in arms about since it came out, mainly that Jane Krakowski, who is a white lady, a white lady, is playing a Native American who is passing with dyed hair and contact lenses um, as a white lady for so she can marry fancy white people and be a trophy wife. I think it's funny. I think that in order, like, comedy is supposed to bring bring up things like issues, social cultural issues, and I, th- I think it's a good way to address like the like the concept of passing, you know? Right. Like I personally, you know, like there are certain cultures, you know, obviously white is the dominant culture in our society, and they're the ones who get all the goodies, and so if there are people who are have an opportunity to pass. There's always going to be people trying to pass. And those people trying to pass are funny and ripe for making fun of. For example, my, I want to say, my dad's uncles back in the day, like, were always trying to pass. Like, one even, like, converted to Catholicism. Like, went all the way. And, like, and we're, we're a Jewish family and... There's uncles all over the place trying to pass so they could be seen as Americans and not like like dirty Jew immigrants from the old country. And their mother was on the front stoop visiting one day reading a Yiddish newspaper. <laughs> they like ripped it out of her hand and like <gasps> banished her inside and wouldn't let her out of the house the whole time she was visiting because oh my she gosh. was blowing up their spot that they weren't white. And uh, I just think that trying to pass is something that should be made fun of and I like it when people are made fun of for it. And so and I mean I I think it would have been a bigger faux pas to ca- to not cast Native Americans as the parents like right now because that would have been just what are you doing? Because that's her arc, we get Native Americans as Native Americans in the show throughout all the seasons. And I appreciate that a lot and I'm sure other Native Americans appreciate that there's you know, there's not too many roles you know, on sitcoms for Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other hashtag problematic thing about the show that people complain about is that Titus's over-the-top flamboyant gay man, like, makes him seem like a stereotype. Well, part of comedy is making fun of stereotypes. You need to play it up to point it out, you know? And also, there are people that are over-the-top like that. There is a spectrum of gay men. Mm-hmm. And some gay men burst into song, and that's comedy gold for all of us. I do know people like that. It's not that far out of my lifestyle. <laughs> and, right. I, and I appreciate those people, and I want them around me all the time. Give me the song bursters. I understand that that's, it's hashtag not all gay men, but he's so good at it and brings us so much joy. I mean, the character is just that's yeah, it's, he's golden, just golden. Although I will say this: that in previous seasons, Jacqueline got to be like the most selfish person, and like while Titus was self-involved, like as a diva, 
he was also Kimmy's friend. But I feel like because in this season, Jacqueline was having some kind of an awakening as an activist, that Titus was more of like the most selfish person in the world because you need super selfish people to act in contrast with mm-hmm. Kimmy. And I was like, oh, don't make me hate Titus. I love him so much. Aww. And he was being so selfish. That stuff with it, the, there was like a whole, what I thought was one of the weakest episodes of the season starred Ray Liotta as a gas station attendant. Who'd... What was up with his eyes? They were like bloodshot. But there was also eyeliner. I didn't totally get it. His eyes were so red. Maybe he was allergic to cats. There was something going on with Ray Liotta's eyes in that episode. I agree. I didn't mention him in the cameos discussion, but yes, he is. His eyes he were and his eyes, me out. Both of his eyes were in it. And that that episode was, you know, it it doesn't even, I don't even need to explain it or ruin it, but there was just... The whole episode was involving intrigue about surrounding a gas station bathroom that was owned by Ray Liotta. And he was just being, Titus was being so selfish and annoying the whole time. Yeah, I, But I mean, I do know people, I thought also that it was really interesting that he didn't want to use his house bathroom, which is like the reverse of people who can't right. uh, use the bathroom in public. Right. So I, I liked that because it was playing off of that, I think. But... It, it didn't wasn't a standout. I didn't think it was bad, though. It just wasn't funny like the other ones to me. I also find it interesting that because Kimmy is so sheltered, that sometimes makes her... Like, they make the portrayal of her be kind of stupid. Yeah. And so, like, obviously someone who's, like, lived in a bunker for 15 years of their lives can't, like, dive right into Ivy League and do that kind of coursework and like succeed right away. But But I, she's not like dumb dumb. She's just inexperienced at life. And like the the actual actress, Ellie Kemper, she went to Princeton and Oxford. So it's hard to see her being dumbed down uh, sometimes, which was the case in in a lot of the the academic environments of this season. I mean, I just, yeah, cuz I don't think that she would just be she wouldn't be an idiot. She'd just be, like, an innocent creature. Right. But, I mean, I was not in a bunker, and I couldn't pass chemistry, so. <laughs> I took it twice, and the second time I would have, I'm sure I would have failed, except for they were like, you took it twice, just go. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so, anything else that, what's your verdict? How does it stack up to the other seasons? I actually like this better than, I think season two was a little bit, uh, not as fast with because, the jokes. Because, like, the trial kind of slowed it down a little bit. Yeah, and this one was, like, st- because I think the Titus was really played and shined, and he's, like, what I watch it for. Yeah. Keep giving Titus crazy songs to sing. And I am there. And we'll be there season after season. I love it. I can't wait for another season. Bring it on. Females are strong as hell. Females are, are strong, strong as, as hell. hell. Unbreakable. When we get back, I'm going to ask Callie, what What you watching? This is What's Happening Here. I'm Katie Shepard, your host, and this season... I'm Terrence Mickey, and welcome to Memory Motel. I'm Julia Bainbridge, and welcome to The Lonely Hour, which I'm producing in partnership with The Listening Booth. Good afternoon. Thank you for calling the New York Times Classifieds. Christine speaking. I may help you. Hi, my name is Terrence Mickey, and I'm calling to inquire about an obituary. What information were you looking for that I could possibly help you with? Okay. Now a grown woman with a supportive husband, Jillian is fine, but that comes after wading through years of pain and confusion. I had been wrestling with this because I knew in the pit of my stomach that my fetish is not caused by childhood trauma, but it felt like my own life contradicted that. Matt, who was a big talker, big personality, loved to be the center of attention, was running away from having to be vulnerable. I don't know. It's like whenever we have this, like, fights or something, whenever I talk about this, it's like I have a shield in my hand, and whenever this happens, I just put it up to protect myself. The Listening Booth. There's a story inside. All right. We're back. Callie Watts, what you watching? What am I watching? What well, was a kind of a low TV time this this go around, but 
I got really into The Keepers, which was a seven-part documentary on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, and you haven't gotten to watch it yet, The Keepers? Right. I have not watch- watched it yet. It's true crime. Um, and it's about this murder in Baltimore in 1969 of this nun. And then the documentary picks up 47 years after the case went cold. Riveting. Terrifying. So, so sad. seven episodes of one case. Yeah. Awesome. And it's like... It's brutal. It's 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 brutal. I don't know how to dig into it without bursting the bubble, though it is a true crime story, so it's already out there. Are they trying to get, like, the making a murderer audience? Yeah. Yeah. It's totally worth a watch. It was amazing. And um, it's led by these two grandmas, these Nancy Drew and grandmas that nice. opened the case back up, and they were the students of the nun that died. And uh, there was this one quote... Um, where the guy at the beginning is describing the two ladies, and he's like, Gemma Hoskins, bulldog. She's the bulldog. Abby Schwab is the intellectual. They're feisty, tough women. I've asked both of them, don't you want to become investigative journalists? Let's have some real fun. And they tell me, we do it our way. They're like <laughs> sassy old ladies, and they're just digging in, driving around, finding witnesses. It's really awesome. Very feministy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a ton of questions, but I can't can't blow the blow my load on it. <laughs> Um, and then I've watched a little bit of Veep in and out. So I have just brokered a peace deal with Israel here. I, as president of the United States, have actually achieved something which is virtually unheard of. Yeah. How does it feel to watch presidentially centric programming in the era of Trump? It's refreshing because Veep is so funny. So it's like, it's what you need right now, you know, and you're like, oh. This is actually what's happening. Mm-hmm. You don't even, I mean, years from now, they can just put Kofifi on the TV and we're all going <laughs> to, you know, you would think that it was made up, but it's reality. Right. I still love Kofifi. I can't believe he tweeted that. While we're on the subject of presidential things, let me ask your opinion on the news of the day, which is uh, today the headlines are Kathy Griffin holding up a bloody Donald Trump head and how everyone says it's not okay to make fun of killing the president, to murder the president in effigy, to put a bloody head of our president in jest in a well, photograph. She's got she's lost uh her New Year's Eve programming contract. She has lost her endorsement deal with Squatty Potty. Oh Squatty Potty. And she has made a public apology. How do you feel about it? I feel like I'm gonna be a bloody Donald Trump head for Halloween. You, your head is going to be the bloody Donald Trump head? Yeah. And I'll have Camilla hold me with a Kathy Griffin wig on. Nice. Also, I feel like it's obviously satire. Like, did she even say she killed him? Maybe she just found that head. I don't know. I don't find it. I mean, I understand that you're not supposed to threaten to kill the president. But why can't, I mean, I feel like it's such an obvious joke. If Ann Coulter was in a photo shoot holding a bloody Barack Obama head, I would be very angry. Ann Coulter's not a comedian. I know, but still. I mean, comedians get... I, I want to defend it. I, the first thing I did when I saw the picture was laugh, but that's because I fucking hate our president. But I understand that that's like... It's a little violent and gross. It's it's a violent, gross thing to do. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. It's a comedian. I find it different than if it was Ann Coulter or if it was like... You know, such as some random person on the internet that's like some talking head news person. Mm-hmm. Comedians get more of a... They get a roast. pass. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand why she apologized. I think it's a little far to take New Year's away from her. Yeah. Maybe they'll reconsider by the time winter rolls around. Yeah. I mean... Because I'm a Kathy Griffin fan. I'm a Griffin fan, for sure. She's been on the cover of Bust. Yes, she has. I love her, and I think they should leave her alone. I mean, not the wisest thing to do. She probably knew she was going to get some backlash, mm-hmm. but I had no problem with it. I mean, it didn't really speak much about her thoughts. You know, it's not like a well-developed joke that brings you around to some kind of new thought process. Mm-hmm. But it made its statement, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, I did want to talk about um, 
also going around on the internet is the new Wonder Woman mm-hmm. movie is coming out with Gal Gadot, and uh, Alamo Draft House is having women's only screenings. Sounds like fun to me. And all the dudes on the internet <laughs> losing it, and Alamo <laughs> has been trolling them so hard. Like, um, one guy was like. Do you ever do men's only screenings? And they were like, well, not officially, but we did show Entourage once. Then <laughs> oh. somebody else was like, we need, a, when, when is there going to be a man's only screening event? And then they just sent a link for how to buy a private event, like uh-huh. rent a private events thing. And I was uh-huh. like, you're so good. They're trolling the shit out of them. They, and they keep, sell, they keep selling out women only Yeah, they events, keep opening so they keep more and more. Them. Because women like to go to things with other women because it's fun. Yeah. And boys are such little babies about And they made a statement. They was like, this isn't about equality. This is about the celebration of a character that's meant a great deal to many women since 1940. Yeah. But I deal mean. With it. Yeah. Okay. Like maybe it's kind of. If it was flipped, we would be like, well, that's fucked up. But. Not if there were plenty of co-ed screenings. And- right. If there's other places to go, it's not like. I don't know. It, of course, the you boys know it's are not ready. like a men's only college. Yeah, it's a movie screening. <laughs> Get over it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on um, Wonder Woman? Are you going to see it? You know, I love Wonder Woman. I loved the Linda Carter right. TV show. That was my Wonder Woman. Like I didn't read the comic books, but I was all over the Linda Carter show. And I think I'll see it, but I'm fine waiting till it shows up on DVD or on one of the streaming services. Like I don't need to see it huge. Um, but I'll probably end up seeing it at some point. I am not a big superhero person. Mm -hmm. I don't go to the Marvel. I can't, I don't think I've ever seen a superhero movie. I've seen some Batmans. uh, I think I had to sit through some Batmans before. Mm -hmm. Oh, I saw the one with the penguin. Okay. That was a good one. That was a Tim Burton one. Yeah, I saw that one. Um, and I watched, mostly I watched the Wonder Woman for kitsch you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't because I'm into superheroes. It was because I liked Linda Carter and I liked the kitsch and the concept of the invisible helicopter and all that stuff. It was a jet, but I'll allow it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was so young, then, but it wasn't because I was really into the superheroes. So I'm probably not going to watch it. Mm-hmm. All right. But I understand why it would mean so much to so many women. Yes. I do see the importance Fair enough. And it's about time that they made the movie, that's for sure. Uh-huh. So there's that. There it is. What you watching? Empire finally ended. I feel like this is its weakest season yet. I still haven't dived. And, you know, a lot of interesting things happened in the finale. I'm not going to spoiler it. But, you know, I've been railing all this time about Rumor Willis being in there for no reason. Yeah. She was not in the final episode, but for literally... No reason, even less reason than Rumor Willis. Demi Moore Demi? shows it up at the end of the last episode as like a sexy nurse. As Demi like Moore? As a totally pointlessly sexy nurse to just draw focus. It's so stupid. <laughs> like you have Demi Moore at your disposal and you just have her in <laughs> one episode as a sexy like in I wonder, one scene of one episode as a sexy nurse. I wonder if that was part of the the rumor deal. Like, like get us your mom and we'll give we'll, you a story arc. Yeah, or we'll something. tolerate you being in this. I was like, get out of here, weird sexual nurse Demi Moore. Oh, my God. Well, you know that I wrote a song about Demi Moore, right? How could I have known? Sing me your song. Demi, Demi Moore. Demi Moore. Demi, Demi Moore. I'm not going to go into the whole. I think I get the gist. But it's about Demi Moore's mom. Who was Demi Moore's mom? Demi Moore's mom made a post in Playgirl magazine. Aren't there supposed to be men in Playgirl oh, magazine? Playboy magazine. Okay. <laughs> I get it flipped because I only care about the other one. Um, but she posed as Demi Moore in all Demi Moore's nude scenes. So she's posed as the... What? Yeah, we have my uh, bandmate, Valerie. She got a copy of it off the internet, the issue that she's in. Oh, actually, it's not even Play uh, Playboy. It's like Socialite magazine or something. Oh, it's like some knockoff something porn. Something that's gross. Yeah, and so she's like doing the ghost thing and then... It's Demi Moore's mom pretending to be her daughter but sexual? Yes. And nude? Yes. Oh. It's insane. That's embarrassing. Now I, I feel bad that Demi Moore 
is a weird sexual nurse. <laughs> what if it was her mom and she looks what so much like her? What if it was her mom? <laughs> Tidbits about Demi. Uh, the new Alien movie is out. And I know nothing of this. Logan and I were discussing going to see it in the movies, and that's when I said, you know what? I've never seen any of the Alien movies. So in preparation to perhaps or perhaps not see the new Alien movie, we rented the 1979 original Alien With Sigourney? Movie. With Sigourney. I have seen that, and, and that is I amazing. I liked it. It was actually a lot more of an art film than I expected it to be. Like, it's very, you know, it wasn't just like a running around screaming movie. I was interested to hear that it was more based on, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre than on 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah, it almost made my horror movie, feminist horror movie list, but I felt it was more sci-fi than horror. So I didn't put it in because there was too many other good, legit, straightforward horror. I, I... Now, you know, I thought that it was a sci-fi movie, which it is, but I find that it is as much a horror movie as it is a sci-fi movie. It's just a horror movie. It's like a haunted house movie in space. Yes, totally. Yeah. And I was, I was into it. I definitely loved um, Sigourney Weaver being centered as the hero of the story. She's so good in it. And I thought that it was stupid, hilarious and interesting that like when it came to the climax of the movie she was in her underpants of course, for of course. literally no reason that's the 70s man <laughs> they were like we've been watching her in her uh you know like very efficient nasa style coveralls for two hours let's just make her like fight the climactic fight in underpants they should have leveled the playing field and put the alien in their underwear too that's right although i feel that the the alien was probably nude throughout yeah, just toss some panties on it. Make it. You know the difference between like looking at a nude person and then looking at a little tea. Just a tiny little <laughs> bit of panty. Yeah. So, but could you even put? I, I can't remember what the alien looks like now, but it looks like how do you wear Baker. a thong with no legs? He has legs. He does. I can't even remember. To me, it was like, oh, there's legs, but there's a tail, so that would you know you'd have yeah. to have a hole in the back. Of the alien panties. But yeah, I, you could put panties on that alien easy. Oh, you know, it would be like, remember the other day when I was like, what the fuck is going on with these underwear? And they were all like, I was looking for underwear at work for an article. And it was like the top waistband and then the sides, but they were missing half of the butt in like yeah. a, a moon shape. Yeah, because it was very arty. Those are probably for aliens. Yeah, one can only assume. <laughs> I enjoyed Alien 1979. I despite the the underpants. <laughs> and uh there is a show that is very dark. Also true crime. This is on Netflix and it's a show called Occult Crimes. Ooh, I want That's, to watch that. And it's basically evil goths on parade. And as a former high school goth, I would say and like I didn't wear black lipstick every day. Like I don't want it to be a misnomer, but I did hang out at the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I wore my share of black Let's say that. And so I feel like goths in general are a pretty easygoing bunch. Yeah. Like they're they're not actually doing satanic rituals and like I feel like doing there's different levels things. of goth. You've got mall goth. To- like hot topic goths. Right. But then you've got like like uh cutters. Cutter and like Metal hair goths that are obsessed with that one band that killed everybody. Right. I feel like that's metal heads way more than goths, but... I feel like that's where they cross. That's like the metal... Yeah. In the Venn diagram of goth and metal. Yeah. I feel like that's where the bad... The, the heat comes from. So anyway, like, the occult crimes. Like, I was expecting it to be, like, Manson family and stuff. But it's really, like, much more modern goth crimes, like, from the 90s. So the episode that I watched... Yesterday involved six goth kids from Kentucky who were aged 14 to 20. And they decide that, like, their lives are sad and they want to go to New Orleans, which makes sense for 14 to 20-year-old goths who, like, hang out and, like, cut each other and drink each other's blood and stuff. Yeah. and But they're all packed in a small car. So they go to a rest stop clown car of goths. <laughs> it was totally a clown car of goths. They start in Kentucky. They end up in Tennessee. They're at a rest stop and wouldn't you know it, there's a family of Jehovah's Witnesses who have a van who decide to come over to them and tell them the good news about Jesus. Okay. 
So the Goths pull guns on the Seventh-day Adventists and vanjack them and take them off into like the woods of Tennessee and it's like a mom and a dad and a six-year-old girl and a two-year-old ah. boy and they shoot the family and they take their van and instead of going to New Orleans they're like oh we're murderers now so we have to go to Mexico and they get caught right away because guess what they don't have passports because mm-hmm. they're dumbass goths and so it's like the they do reenactments and they actually picked some goths that look like the actual people. I would so love to be a reenactor actor. I think you would do great. And I think I could actually make a lucrative side hustle of being in goth reenactments because there's always a round girl with long <laughs> hair. There's a round girl with long hair in every posse of goths. So um, call me occult. <laughs> crimes reenactment casting because I'm perfect for you. I don't think it'd really be good for the goth, but give me a nosy neighbor reenactor role. <laughs> or you could be like a concerned friend. Yeah. <laughs> they all happen in the South and you have you have a decent Southern accent. So you Yeah, can I can get out. Southern. Uh-huh. So yeah, if you're interested in occult crimes, it's on Netflix and they do reenactments but they also show the actual people. And have interviews with actual people. They go back and forth. Oh, that sounds... I'm going to watch that. Only goths doing terrible goth things. But I feel like in general it's giving goths a bad name because mostly... You give goths a a bad bad name. name. You just want to lay in your bed and listen to Morrissey and feel your feelings. That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Uh, I saw two Netflix comedy specials. Hassan Minaj... Homecoming King. I can't wait to watch this. Hassan Minaj is in the brand new issue of Bust out now. Get it. The June-July issue of Bust magazine. Yeah, it just came out yesterday. With Amandla Stenberg on the cover. Just came out. And Hassan Minaj is in it with his glorious hair. His hair is beautiful. And his Netflix comedy special is equally glorious. I laughed. I cried. It touched me. Ooh. All it was right. great. I'm all right. I didn't totally me. cry. But I, it was poignant. It feels. Yeah. And then the other comedy special I watched was Sarah Silverman. Oh. She has a brand new Netflix comedy special out called A Speck of Dust. It was really good. And, you know, there's constant comment, like the tea, about whether or not you can make rape jokes. The answer is you better be fucking funny if you make a rape joke. Right. Or leave that shit at home. It's not for amateurs. Well, I think the golden rule is a rape joke only can work if the rapist is the butt of the joke well here's the thing that here i'm going to give you an example of a funny rape joke that sarah silverman made you tell me if you think it's funny okay i'm not going to have the professional delivery that she had she was talking about when her sister was a freshman in college she went out she had way 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 too much to drink and that she lived in a co-ed dorm that had co-ed bathrooms And so she came back to the dorm pretty much incapacitated and she ran to the bathroom and she was on her hands and knees in the bathroom and she was just wearing, she was, she had been changing for bed when she felt sick. So she just had her underwear and a t-shirt on and she was on her hands and knees in the co-ed bathroom puking her guts out and she felt her underwear start to inch down her body and she couldn't stop throwing up to investigate what was happening and then her underwear inched farther down her body and she was terrified that she was about to be sexually assaulted and then she finally stopped throwing up she turned around and nobody was there because she was actually pooping her pants and that's why her underwear was about to fall off <laughs> oh my god oh my god so that's funny i thought it was funny dude that is funny like but see that is like a fear it's um, such a relief when you yeah, get to the punchline. Yeah, the the victim is not going to be like. Well, I guess the victim is sort of the butt of the joke that in that, Her but butt. she isn't victimized. So, but she isn't victimized. But she thinks yeah. she's going to. But you can't have a, a a rape victim be the butt of the joke, right? And then otherwise, but I mean, I fully support a good it's rape not joke. Worth it. I've seen a ton that I think I, that I can fully support. Tig I- has made a couple that are really good. Mm-hmm. Usually women are have a better sense of what's going to work in terms of a rape joke than men do. But also Sarah Silverman takes risks that don't always work. I remember, I feel like it was maybe in her Jesus is Magic episode, but I'm, or 
special, but I'm not entirely sure. She made some joke about Martin Luther King Jr. that was just not funny. Oh, I don't like she takes she takes risks that don't you know, she makes like Holocaust jokes that aren't always funny. She takes a lot of risks. And I actually appreciate that about her. They're not she's not all she's not always batting a hundred, but I was like, Oh look, Sarah Silverman made a funny rape joke. I'm not here to tell my comedians to play it safe. Right. House of Cards is back. That is the political series. I've only saw first the couple episodes of the first season. It's basically a not funny veep. It is serious drama. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that the president, Frank Underwood, is he's literally a despicable murderer. (laughs) But it's still relaxing to sink into a fantasy where the president like knows how government works and is smart (laughs) and competent enough to manipulate it. Not only that, but he has this formidable independent first lady. And you know what's so hot about this season is at the end of last season and into the beginning of this season, she basically took on a concubine. Like, she got this hot-ass male, quote-unquote, speechwriter who's, like, taking her to the bone zone secretly in the evening. And the president knows it, and they have, like, an understanding and arrangement, and he's, like, living with her in the White House secretly. And, like... You know, I feel like... uh presidents and their first ladies if they have an arrangement they have an arrangement stay out of the white house bedroom I it's feel not our business that bill and hillary had an arrangement i think but so part too part of that arrangement was that he had to be discreet which he was always right. really bad at so well because hillary knows how to play the game of mm-hmm. politics and she knows that that's as a religious people are going to be like you broke the vows and blah mm-hmm. blah blah but if you have an arrangement it's all fair I don't want to say that I would prefer to have a president who's a psychotic murderer, but it is <laughs> relaxing to watch a soap opera about the president where the president knows how the government works and knows how he's supposed to behave with foreign dignitaries. Oh, my and gosh. knows how to use words and doesn't fucking tweet all the time. Or push people out of the way. <laughs> well, this president also pushes people, but that's another story. <laughs> he does it off camera. Kafifi. It's all going to keep coming back to Kafifi. Yeah. The press, ca- the press Kafifi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kav, Kavfefe. And one thing that just happened today was our co-publisher of Bust, Lori Hensel, was passing around excerpts from a new book. Uh, it's a book of photography and essays by a photographer named Laura Dodsworth. And the book is called Manhood. And she took photos of oh, 100 yes. different penises. She basically took took pictures of men just from the neck down to the upper, th- basically from neck to knees. Yeah. So you get chest, arms, and most importantly, penis and scrotum of 100, and, 100 different men, different races and nationalities. And she took pictures of them first to get over the big sort of hurdle of revealing the goods. And then they were very open talking to her about body image and their sexual histories and like what they have or have not done with their penises, what they regret doing or not doing with their penises. It's a whole penis journey. You know, um, I was actually talking about my my days as a pornographer the other night and um because I used to run a porn magazine called Candy Rain. Liger Candy Beat. Rain. Liger Beat and then Candy Rain. And it was all dicks. It was... Uh, for ladies who like the D. It was for women that love the D. And I did it for about three or four years. And this mm-hmm. was several years ago. And, and when you say you did it, you were the editor-in-chief. Yes, the editor-in-chief. In Queef of Liger Beat slash Candy yeah, Rain. Yeah, so I saw a lot of dick in mm-hmm. that amount. We would have parties where dudes could come in for free if they showed their dick. We would, uh, people would send us dicks in the email. We would do full on photo shoots, a lot of dick, wrap dicks up in blunts and put weed on them, pretend to smoke it. Mm-hmm. A lot of dicking. In the words of Reservoir Dogs, dick, 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 dick. And I was kind of coming to an end, you know, like I, cause I was spending a lot of summers in the dick cave. I wasn't going out and having fun. I was editing dick pages all day. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I finally had decided that my time had come. <laughs> My time had come. <laughs> um, when I'm at the train station getting a new train card and some dude is next to me jerking off. 
and I don't care. And I get my card and I go to swipe and he's like, really? Really? You don't even care that my dick's out? And I was like, you know how many of those I've seen today? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sunshine. You're going to have to work harder than that. And then I was like, fuck, I'm immune to dick. I'm immune to dick. I've got to put the dick blinder on, get back into the dicks aren't everywhere zone so I can appreciate a dick again. Yeah. And now you do. And now I do. Now I'm back back in the majestics of the dick. (laughs) But I bet by the end of that photo series, she was just like, I know you all look different, but you all look the same. (laughs) (laughs) But just looking at a few of her of her photos, I was like, wow, there's there's such a variety. They are. They're they're like birds. There's a difference. They're all so they they're birds of a feather and they were flocked together. (laughs) Yeah. Their dicks can look crazy. We were always trying to get people, uh, dudes to do, uh, like, a dick, what do you call it, when you have, like, a shadow box? Like a diorama. <laughs> yeah, dickoramas. We were trying to get dickoramas. Only a couple of people came through with that. I wanted to see a dick laying on, like, a tiny couch. Uh-huh. Well, given your journey with dicks, both being super saturated with them and then having to detox so that you can enjoy them again... Would you look at the book, Manhood, or would you avoid it? I think I would look at it to more to read the, what the people said. The essays, yeah. Yeah, because once you've seen as many dicks as I have, you don't really need to look at pages and pages. So of much like again. Playboy, you would read it for the articles. Yeah. Fair I enough. mean, I wonder how dudes feel about looking at boobs all the time if they're ever like, seen too much boob. This artist, Laura Dodsworth, already did a whole book of boobs. Is it the big book of boobs? No, it's called something else. Oh, because I own that book. That's different. Someone stole my big book of butts. And it is huge. It's like, we're talking massive art book. Like a doorstop. Yeah, and I'm like, what kind of bag did you bring in my house to smuggle the butt book out of? Well, I'll tell you this. I feel like some people enjoy dicks and some people enjoy boobs, but everybody enjoys butts. Truth. So that's going to be the one that's most likely to be swiped. It was stolen. Well, this has been, as usual, a delight. Lovely. This was lovely. I love telling you everything that I've watched. I love hearing what you've been watching. I would like to thank our producer, Rachel Withers. Woo! Rachel Withers is making our dreams come true. <laughs> this sort Rachel of like Withers. a reading rainbow kind of vibe. Yeah, totally. Um, thank you so much to our pals at the listening booth. Terrence Mickey, Katie Shepard, and Carrie Thomas. And, of course, our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Renz. I'm not on Twitter. Don't bother. But you can email both of us. You can email me at EmilyRems at bus.com. And CallieW at bus.com. Tell us what you're watching. We'd love to hear it. We want to know what you're watching. And uh, to find out more about Bust, visit us at bus.com. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Basically, imagine us like Kimmy Schmidt in the bunker. <laughs> like nobody knows that we're even alive, damn it. But it's a miracle. We are. (laughs) So, like, when you guys rate and review us on iTunes, it's like the opening of Kimmy Schmidt when the FBI guy opens up the bunker and pulls Kimmy out and she sees the light of day. That's what you would be doing for our episodes if you rated and reviewed us on iTunes. Podcasts are strong as hell. This podcast is strong as hell. She's alive, damn it. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. Mwah.